Week two, week two in our summer study of the book of Daniel, an Old Testament book in our summer series, The Rise of Empires. The Rise of Empires. We today are going to be finishing out Daniel 1, and I just want to encourage you this summer, just read through the book of Daniel with us. Just check it out. Hang out there outside of church. You can use the YouVersion Bible app. It's free. You can use uh, Bible, I think, Bible.org. There are places to access Scripture for uh, free. If you don't have a Bible and you want a paper-printed Bible, we would love to give you one. But I would just encourage us to spend time reading it. And here's your homework for the week. We're going to be in Daniel 2 next week. We will not read all of it here on Sunday morning, so you read all of it during the week at some point. Come in a little prepared to kind of see, did we go where you thought we were going? Did we kind of juke and go a different direction? You know, whatever it might be. Today, we are going to talk about living in your God-given identity. Living in your God-given identity. There's going to be an interesting thing that we're going to see unfold in Daniel 1. And so let's just move to the scriptures, allow our lives to be open before God and how they will speak to us. I'm going to actually start in verse 3. I'm going to pick up where Alan kind of left off in week 1. So here we go. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Okay, just to catch you up, real day and time, historical reality, we're looking at the Israelites get pulled into captivity. They get conquered by the Babylonians. So king of Babylon is saying, hey, come work for me. Come do my bidding. Come be a part of what we are now doing. Y'all caught up? Great. I love history. I do. This is like an important part of understanding this has happened in real time and space. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. They just wanted an Instagram feed, and they didn't know it yet. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. Pay attention. This is going to come back around in our, in our message, but what they are basically saying is, come get indoctrinated into our culture and our way of life. Come learn our language, come learn how we do things, by what strength, power, all of the ideology, you need to come learn so that you can then reproduce our Babylonian culture. Okay. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them, the chief official gave them, pay attention, gave them, interesting, to Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Pay attention. He resolves in his heart, and then what does he do? He humbly asks for permission. Pay attention to how this is working out. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. 
Got to look out for number one. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servant for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. Spoiler alert. How do y'all think this is going to go? At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. There is so much here in this chapter. There is so much invitation for us. And so some of the reasons I kind of pause is I'm trying to draw you in to go, don't just read it flat. Like, kind of put yourself in the story and begin to see the nuance where God is active and where Daniel resolves in his heart and where the king is like, hey, these guys are smart. They're ten times better than all the other people that I had in my service. And remember that today we're talking about living in your God-given identity, and so we're going to kind of try to pull this out of the text a little bit. And I want to remind us of the two big themes. Throughout this whole summer, when we're looking at the book of Daniel, there are two really important themes we need to hold on to as we read every chapter. And the first is this from Trimper Longman in his book, How to Read Daniel. He says, in spite of present difficulties, God is in control and he will have the final victory. In spite of present difficulties, anybody feel like there are present difficulties in this day and time and in your life? Okay, good news to you. God is in control, and he will have the final victory. And the second is this. Trimper Longman goes on to say that God's people can survive and even thrive in the midst of a toxic culture. We see this, right? They were healthier. They were smarter, they were wiser, they had better gifting and insight and knowledge in all aspects in which they were being trained. They set the example of thriving even in what we would use language today as like a secular culture. A culture that was not obedient to God, the creator, Yahweh, but a culture that was moving in its own way in the power of its king. And all the idols it was going to build up, all the empires that are going to rise, we're going to see there is one kingdom that addresses them all. I think we need to hold on to this. And I just want to remind you that in this chapter, in verse 9, it says, now God caused. And in verse 17, it says, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding. In spite of present difficulties, God is in control and will have the final victory. 
In verse 15, it says that they looked healthier and better nourished. In verse 19, he found the king found none equal to Daniel, Mishael, Ezariah. To the four. To verse 20, he found them ten times better than all. As we walk in obedience to God, it doesn't mean it'll be easy, but I think we're invited to the flourishing of God's kingdom. Hold on to that as we endeavor through Daniel and we think about how we apply it to our lives today. So here's the big idea for our talk today. Living in your God-given identity is an invitation to know your God-given name and walk in your God-given purpose. To know your God-given name and to walk in your God-given purpose. I want to give us just a little biblical context as we press into these two ideas. The first is this, that in this text it talks about pull from us these Hebrew kind of young men from the Israelites. And the Hebrew word yeladim would likely indicate someone in their teens or younger. So the four kind of champions of chapter one that we're going to walk with throughout this book in Daniel are teens or younger. Hold that thought. Vineyard kids and vineyard students, right now, if we walked in and said four for the king's service or the president's service at White House, fully ready to walk in obedience to the living God, to set the standard. Church, this is why we, all as a community, need to say yes to kids and students. This is why we need to pray. This is why we need to serve. This is why we need to be spiritual parents. Because in this book, in this day and time, God was ready to work in and through teenagers and younger. Let that sink in. They're not too immature. They're not too young. They're not a lost generation. They are the ones God is pursuing now. We must do the same. This is the way of God's kingdom. Here's the other interesting thing. Biblical context. It says that Daniel was faithful until King Cyrus. Do you know how long that was? 70 years. In one chapter of scripture, we just covered 70 years. It's a funny book, right? 70 years. What God was doing in him as a kid and a teen prepared him to be faithful in the king's service for 70 years. To proclaim the glory of God. To walk in obedience. To set the standard for an entire culture. So as we think about living in our God-given identity, what I want you to understand is that when we learn to live in our God-given identity daily, it leads to decades of faithfulness. Daniel handled his business day in and day out in the king's court. And it led to decades of faithfulness. Every day that one of you serves with vineyard kids and vineyard students sets the course for decades of spiritual trajectory. Fathers, decades of spiritual trajectory. Teachers, decades of spiritual trajectory. We have to understand this is the way God's kingdom works. And I think what we see in Daniel is that it gives us a vision for our own lives to know our God-given name. To know our God-given name. God wants to speak 
family over you and hope over you and identity over you so that you know you're loved, you know you're his, and you know you can walk faithfully in obedience to the creator, to know your God-given name. What's interesting in this text is that Daniel actually has a real meaning. And this was common back in the day. Now, how many of you know that what your name means? A few of us. I, we Googled it with all of our kids. We were like, that's a cool name. What does it mean? What's the Christian meaning of that name? What's the <laughs> God-given meaning of that name? My name is Kurt. If we've not met, hi, nice to meet you. My name actually means bold counselor. It wasn't until like year three of my master's in marriage and family therapy that I went, huh, God, maybe you knew something I didn't know about myself before I was born. God wants to speak that to your heart. Daniel means God is my judge. Fascinating. Hananiah, Yahweh is gracious to me. Mishael, who is like God? Azariah, Yahweh is my helper. The community of faith was finding its identity in God the creator and then was speaking blessing in every generation to anchor the God-given name to their God-given identity, that they would know who their source is, they would know who their maker is, they would know who has authority in their life. We get the same privilege to do that today. You're called son. You are called daughter. You are called loved. You are called pursued. You are called welcomed. You are called forgiven. You are called freed. You are called into the family of God for the purposes of God. It's no different. What's interesting to me is how quickly the culture knew what it needed to do. The toxic culture of the day tried to change their name, tried to begin to strip their identity. It says it pulls them into three years of teaching and training and service. Do you know what they taught them? Divination, astrology, how to look at the stars and start to interpret, how to work as a magician because they thought all their power was from this idea of being an enchanter or a magician, or how to do weird stuff and read intestines. Gross. It's weird. And so they begin to strip their names and they try to bring them into their school of education. But what God had done in their hearts and had anchored in their souls continued to work its way out. May that be true of us. Here's what's interesting about the name change. Daniel, we've already heard it, became... Belshazzar. Daniel sounds better to me. You know what Belshazzar means? The divine lady protects the king. I'm telling you, they're taking them and putting them in their cultural way. It's all about the king. It's all about their idols and strength and ideology. Here's what's interesting to me next. Hananiah and Mishael, according to Trimper Longman, both of their names get changed. Hananiah to Shadrach, Mishael to Meshach. And the meaning of them now becomes unclear. They go from a very clear meaning to confusion. A very clear identity to one that's confusing. confusing. And then Azariah becomes Abednego, the servant of the god Nego. They ascribe his identity to some man-made god. Now, here's what I want to be really clear as we see the nuance in this. And if this is new to you, I just think this is fascinating, right? This is just the word of God at work, kind of illuminating the way of his kingdom. 
Here's what I see. When God speaks name over you and calls you in this family, God wants us to know who we are with clarity and confidence in him. In him. Not in you, not in your strength, not in your power. In him. Yahweh is my helper. God is my judge. That our identity would be so anchored in the living God that there would be no identity bigger, stronger, more confident for our soul. But we are anchored in the one who was there in the beginning, hovering over the waters, speaking things into being in creation, and will be there at the end saying, welcome home. Clarity and confidence in him is your God-given identity. You are loved. You are called into a transformational journey where you will look like, sound like, Walk like Jesus. You are loved and welcomed into the family of God. Now here's what's interesting to me. We have to be really careful. The toxic culture of that day and time, what we see in Scripture, creates confusion in our identity and calls us to conform to their cultural ways of worship. Bow to the God of Nego. Anybody know the God of Nego? I didn't know it until now. That God has come and gone. The divine lady protects the king. That king died. It's an interesting moment. There's confusion. There's conformity. I think that right now in our day and time, this is a struggle that I just watch unfold all around me. Am I what I do? Am I this? Am I that? Is it this piece? Is it that piece? Is it how much is in my account? Is it my job title? Is it my family? Is it this? Is it that? And I just think God's saying, will you look and turn your attention to me and let me speak that over you? Will you find who you are in me? And when we begin to do that, when we begin to understand that God wants us to be fully, fully known and fully found in him, then we can walk in our God-given purpose. I was thinking about how interesting it is. Sorry, this is going to be insight into how I read the text. So just, just know that's what's happening now. In chapter 1, all the king's officials, who gets named? Daniel, Mishael, Hananiah, and Azariah. Who are the other players already a part of the king's court? The magicians and the enchanters, Right? What text, what, what verse? In verse 20, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Your God-given identity has zero to do with what you can perform or produce. The cultural identity will be all about what you do, what you produce, and what your worth is, and what you kind of can create. God-given identity, your identity is in the creator. Cultural narratives are in what you make of yourself. Magician, enchanter, Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. Just let that sink in. Where does this feel uncomfortable? Where does this begin to like kind of rub against like what you know about how the world works? How do we walk in our God-given purpose if we're the one trying to generate it? 
How do we walk in our God-given purpose if it's on our own strength and power? At that point, I'm walking in my purpose. So to walk in my God-given name and to walk in my God-given purpose, I have to humble myself and say, God, you speak a better word over me. You are the one giving me wisdom and knowledge. You are the one giving me understanding. You are the one speaking hope to my heart. My confidence is in you. And what I think is interesting is that they walked this out. They walked their God-given purpose out by doing a few things. They faithfully worshiped God where they were. Wherever you are right now, you are being invited to faithfully worship God in that place, in that circumstance, and in that season. Do you all understand that Daniel and his buddies had just been like, uh, what's the word? Kidnapped? There was not even a ransom. They were just kind of like trafficked into the king's culture. And they found a way to worship. And then it was not just a day or two, it was 70 years. In every season of your life, worship. Worship God. Worship Jesus. Worship God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in every circumstance, in every season, where you are. Because your identity is in the Creator God. This is what we see in them living out their identity, in what they ate, in the humility. They asked for permission. If it would please the king, God's at work. Now, can I just make a note? They are not pastoring a local church. <laughs> this does not apply to pastors only. They were literally at the heart of the power of the secular kind of system of that day, and God is intervening and, and breaking in right there. Wherever you are, God wants to break in right where you are. At home, in business, in schools, in boardrooms. As you sweat it out, doing the hard, back-breaking work that you have as this season of employment, with your friends, the table, Wherever you are, God wants to break in right there and let you be a light that points to him, that your identity would say, God is alive. God is at work in every system, in every circumstance, in every place. Can you walk out your God-given purpose, which is primarily to worship, to just let God be God? Give me wisdom, God, if you want me to have it. Give me knowledge. Give me insight. Let me interpret visions and dreams. Let me be a part of what you are doing. So here's where I want to finish. I'm just like, let this sink in. Go back to when you were 16. How would you have done in the king's service? I see some heads going, no, not good. How did these young people know their God-given name? How did these young people know their God-given name? They had a spiritual family speak it over them day in and day out. This is what we need in our day and time. Every person. Now, I just, I'm going to ask, um, 
I think this is a safe question. If you are a follower of Jesus and you came to faith after the age of 18, I would just love for you to stand. Okay, look around the room. Nobody's alone. Look around the room. We need a spiritual family that will walk with us even after the time we're 18. Great, grab a seat. Y'all cheer for them. It's amazing. That will help you discover your God-given name that has been yours since you were born because the Psalms say that God's known you since the time you were in the womb because he's the creator God and he's at work. And so we need a spiritual family that are always walking alongside in every season, in every circumstance, and in every stage that right now you can look at your friend in their 30s and everybody else who's still living in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, hundreds, that even in that moment, in that decade and season, you would have people speaking to you about your God-given name, that we would walk together as a spiritual family. We need one another to help us understand the scriptures and to see the Holy Spirit come and speak blessing and care and reminder after reminder after reminder, this is who you are. This is who God is and this is who you are. This is who God is and this is who you are. This is who God is and this is who you are. Can I ask every single person who's not serving in Vineyard Kids and Vineyard Students to prayerfully consider joining those teams today? It's not somebody else's job. It's our job together. One Sunday a month. Two Sundays a month at the most. Two Sundays a month at the optimum. Can I ask you, like, are you letting people speak into your spiritual life or do you have it all figured out? These guys had a community, a spiritual family speak over them. Speak over them all the time. Made in God's image, loved by God, purposed by God for God's glory. Now let me ask you another one. How did these young people learn to walk in their God-given purpose? You can speak it over somebody until you're blue in the face. They have to choose. They have to yield their will to the living God and begin to walk it out. To walk it out. How did they do this? I think they did the same thing that we need to see today. That discipleship has to be set as a primary priority of our life so that they can see it modeled. They can see it embodied. They can see it lived out. That relationship means God is available to you. If you are here today, I just want you to know God longs to have relationship with you. God wants to walk with you in every part of your life because God is alive. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus gives us hope that God is living and longs for a relationship with all of humanity. God wants to walk with you. Relationship with God. Discipleship is a priority. Here's the next one. Prayer and scripture. It saturated their community. Here's why. Because in scripture and in prayer, what we see is not that just God is available, but God speaks truth. That the voice of God could come in and meet you and speak right to you, give you insight and wisdom for things like when the king asks you to interpret a vision next week. Y'all are going, he's not going to ask me to do that. I don't know. But if it happens, you would know God can speak to you. I'm telling you, read Daniel 2. Come back next week. It's wild. 
God speaks truth. God wants relationship because God is alive and available. God speaks truth. Obedience. They saw this model in the community that you can be obedient to God. God is at work in us and through us. God wants to work through you this week. Just got to look for it. Because remember, God is alive. So in all this stuff, how many of you are going to face challenging circumstances this week? If your hand is not up, would you pray for all the hands that are up? There you go. God is available to you. God wants to speak truth to you for what you are going to face this week. God wants to work in you by the power of the Spirit and work through you because he loves the people around you. And it's community. God walks with us as we walk with one another. We need to humbly sacrifice and surrender our independent spirit. There are people that need you, and you need them. You were never meant to walk alone, but to walk as a spiritual family and community. Because there are going to be days you need to be the one encouraging, and there are going to be days that you need to be encouraged. We see this in Daniel. Mishael, Ananiah, and Azariah. Their stories are going to unfold with significant obedience that I think was simply the gift of walking with God and with one another. They knew how to respond and how to walk in their purpose because they had followed God in community. They had followed God in community. We cannot settle for it just being about me and going, I got my walk with God, I'm good. Because God calls us to one another and to a family. God calls us for the sake of nations and cities. God calls us for the sake of times and seasons in history. To walk in your God-given identity means that, yes, every day that you are faithful speaks to decades of God's kingdom coming. Let's stand as a community. I want to be very, 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 very serious to us as a church community. I think this text calls us to be a community of transformation that says we will make sure every Daniel and Daniela is raised in a vibrant spiritual family. You have, you have believed wrongly that kids are not your, your, yours to attend to. They are ours. Vineyard kids and vineyard students need all of us. Need all of us. And if all of us volunteer two Sundays a month, you'll only have to come one. Because there will be too many of us for the team. And I think that will speak volumes to what God is doing as a God from generation to generation to generation. And right now, as I say that, I am asking you to prayerfully consider giving of your time to serve vineyard kids and vineyard students. And when we as a community say yes to that, it will give the grace to those of us who need to not be serving in vineyard kids or students in this season the freedom and the blessing to come receive 
knowing that every kid is held and prayed over in our nursery, that every two to four-year-old gets to dance and hear the scriptures come alive for them, that every four to six-year-old can be called into the fullness of God right now in their life, and that our elementary kids are leading their campuses to Christ, and our fifth through eighth graders and our ninth through twelfth graders are setting the leading edge of the church in this day and time so that if they get called into the Oval Office, they will proclaim the glory of God. And for the record, many of you are already saying yes outside of this building, and that counts. If you're a teacher, may the Lord fill you with the power of the Spirit to call those kids into the family of God, to speak hope to their hearts and blessing over who they are. If you work in mental health and you're a counselor and you're there, if you're at a nonprofit, may the kingdom come in power there because you will look at kids and you will say you are made in the image of God. You are loved by God. May we say yes as a church, as a spiritual family to the next generation. So about six weeks ago, I was in a gathering of pastors, and I think this is an encouragement for us and an invitation to the personal transformation God wants to do in our own lives. If we're going to be a community of transformation, we have to be courageous to say, I need personal transformation. And sometimes we believe lies about who we are. You're following Jesus, you know God loves you, and you live every day as though he doesn't. The enemy will speak lies to you about your worth and your value, your identity, your imperfections. There's this quote that I think of regularly. It says, Satan calls you by your sin and Jesus calls you by your name. And I was in this meeting and they asked us to think about the name that we carry that's not ours to carry. And the name that I carry around is responsible. I'm always the one that's supposed to be responsible. I'm supposed to be responsible, responsible, responsible. And then they said, hold that before the Lord and see what God might want to say to you. Turns out God's more responsible than I am. <laughs> and in that time, it was so kind. I felt like the Holy Spirit just said, let me take that because you were loved. You were loved. Today, I think there are some of you that need to hear the Lord speak very clearly, and it is going to, be, it is going to require every ounce of humility in you to bow and worship the God that says you are loved. Because if you keep resisting that, and you keep saying, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, you're asserting your voice and what you name yourself as more powerful than what God wants to name you. And God in Jesus, the good news of the gospel is that you are loved, and you are worth all of his life, and he wants to pour all of his life into you. And you can experience that today by saying yes. Just saying yes, God, would you let me walk in your love? Would you speak your availability to me? Would you speak your truth to me? Would you teach me how to be obedient to you that every day I will walk knowing I am loved by the creator? And if that makes sense to you today, we would love to pray and bless you. And just, just join in saying God knows you better than you know yourself. And he wants to call you into your God-given name and your God-given purpose. If you're a part of our prayer ministry teams, we're going to just be available for any response. Do you need healing? Do you need hope? Do you need real needs met in your life? Do you need to say yes to your God-given identity today? Come on down, prayer ministry teams. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing.
And I would just say, if you have not been walking in the fullness of God's purpose in your life or God's name for you, come get prayer before you leave today. So Jesus, we thank you that your kingdom is a kingdom that comes, and it comes to every place and space. Even when kings think that they are taking more power and authority, you are in control and you have the final word. Even when humans like me think we have to have responsibility for everything, you look at us in your loving care and say, let me carry that for you because I love you and I want to be the thing that identifies you and defines you more than anything else. And so today, God, we pray for your identity to take over. We pray that this would be a community that walk in our God-given identity and that we listen to you and we walk out our God-given purpose. Speak to every heart by your spirit about what that means and what you're inviting them to today. And may the scriptures come alive for us because we are willing to say yes to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We bless this community to be a spiritual family full of life for this time and this season. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, go grab your kids. Come receive prayer. Read Daniel 2 this week, and we'll look forward to seeing you either at small group or back here on Sunday. Thanks for being with us.